Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, you're listening to The Future of Media Explained with me, Press Gazette Editor-in-Chief Dominic Ponsford. And this week, we're learning all about new ways to make people pay for online news. And joining me in the Future of Media Explained studio, we have Press Gazette reporter, Bron Mayer. Hi, hi, Bron. Hey, Don. How's it going? Very well. So, in keeping with the new format, or slight new format to the podcast, we're going to start off by telling the listeners what we know about paying for online news, and then we'll go into the expert witness to find out a bit more. We've got the FT on, which is great, because they're the, I want to say, they are the leading people in the UK when it comes to paywalls. And I think that's fair, isn't it? They're the leading publisher in the UK for paywalls. Big claim. What metric are you using? I'm using, to be fair, the Press Gazette 100K Club ranking from April 2023, which is the Bible for paywall metrics in UK and US media. Yeah, the FT claim to have a million digital subscribers, which puts them sort of joint top on our list with The Guardian, if you can do that, because The Guardian is obviously a different thing. It's a membership model rather than a paywall. So I think we can say the FT are top. So it's great to have them in. They got some, I I would say, some pretty big news from how their experiments have been going over at FT Edit. Yeah, so we're going to be learning about FT Edit, which is, as the title promised, a new way to entice people to pay for online news. So I'm going to start off by just quickly saying a little bit about what I know about paywalls, which is this. So 2007, 2008, very stressful time to be editing Press Gazette, 2009. That's when I got most of my grey hair because it felt like the news industry was completely toast, absolutely collapsing, and it just seemed to be one bad thing happening after another. We First of all, we had the internet, which was bad. Then we had broadband that was really bad. Then we had smartphones that were really bad. Yeah. We had social, social media. It was just all, everything seemed to be bad. And I just used to think, maybe something good will happen. Maybe technology will bring something good for journalism. And lo and behold, it did, which was paywalls. And here we are, 2023. The FT makes a good profit. It always used to lose loads of money in the 2000s. Guardian makes money. Telegraph makes money. The Times makes good money. So paywalls have been this amazing silver lining to what's otherwise been pretty challenging time the last decade or so for the for the news industry. 
So that's been great. But then I think what we have to say is now, May 2023, they've really leveled off, haven't they? I think they, they made a lot of gains during the pandemic. There was great growth. But now hanging on to the gains of the pandemic is good. And then other than that, it's incremental gains when it comes to getting new readers as for these established publishers. Is that fair, Bron? Yeah, I think you got places like the New York Times is probably the exemplar of this, right? Where it's as far as, uh, according to our 100K Club, which, as we've already mentioned, is the authoritative source on the matter, the New York Times has the most subscriptions of anyone. And the way that they're getting new subs now, a lot of it, is with these kind of extra products like New York Times Cooking, New York Times Wirecutter, New York Times Games included in that is obviously Spelling Bee and Worldle and all that kind of stuff. But how do you do that if you're not the New York Times and you don't have this big suite of products? Seems the FT have perhaps managed to find a way into a new audience of paying subscribers. Yes, yeah, so the FT edit, it's a kind of light version of the FT, isn't it? You're not getting the whole shebang. You're getting eight articles a day, mm-hmm. which are selected for you, which I can see for some people that's value in itself, isn't it? I mean, someone else picks the most important things from the FT. That saves you browsing through it, doesn't it? So there's a there's a sort of a, there's an appeal to that, yeah. yeah. And I guess the FT, it's expensive, isn't it? It's very expensive to it subscribe is to. Extremely expensive for me, at least. Something <laughs> about twenty twenty quid a month, isn't it? Something like that. I think it's I think it's something like for the non premium product. I believe it's thirty five pounds a month, and then once you start going up to the premium, you're getting more towards sixty, and that's, so that's not like, product. That's digital. So that's like your broadband bill plus Netflix just to get the FT, which is quite quite steep, isn't it? We wrote about FT Edit when it launched originally, which was in March 2022. At the time, it was promised as this streamlined, anti-news chaos version of the FT, where it's eight articles curated by an FT editor, Malcolm Moore, who we're going to speak to. And it would be free for the first month. It would graduate to 99p for the following, I think, five months. And then you go up to the full price, which is £4.99. Two cups of coffee, really, isn't it? It's only a lot more coffee for the full expenditure. Yeah, like a week's coffee for a month of the FT. Look, let's hear how they're getting on. Let's hear from Malcolm about where they are. Obviously, it's still going, but you've promised big news. So what did you ask him? I asked, first off, I asked, have people been downloading it? And the answer appears to be yes. I asked two was downloading this new product and i asked whether they were sticking around once they got graduated onto a paying subscription so malcolm when i messaged you a few months ago about ft edit you said that you had learned in all capitals a lot since you were <laughs> the product in march last year could you tell us what are some of those things that you've learned there has been an awful lot so when we launched ft edit the idea was we would build an app very quickly and we would release basically a minimum viable product. And then once it was out in the marketplace and we could see how people were responding to it, then we would start to make alterations to it, right? It was all an experiment. In fact, the whole thing has been a big experiment for the FT. Just to remind people who maybe aren't familiar with FT Edit, the idea behind it was really that we saw a lot of readers come to us during the pandemic. We thought that maybe there was an audience out there beyond our traditional audience for FT quality journalism. 
but at a different price point. And so we are trying to work out like how, what would that audience want and how could we give them something? We came to the conclusions after lots of research that we were trying to solve two big problems. The first problem is people were feeling overwhelmed by the news, just too much content, can't possibly read all of these stories every day. So that was one problem. And the second problem that came through really strongly in the research was even after doom scrolling through social media all day, I don't really understand what is going on with like, why are these events happening? How can I connect the dots? And so we thought, okay, the thing we started with FD Edit was let's put out an app which has a very curated selection of articles. It feels very focused and calm so that you can read just eight articles a day. But once you've read them, you'll have read something really interesting. And let's give them the FT's best in-depth analysis, opinion, weekend content, all the things that, that we know inside the FT are really great, but that actually maybe a non-traditional FT audience isn't really familiar with. So that's where we started. Mm-hmm. Got it out into the marketplace. I think the first big thing we learned was, let's just go in order of the features that people requested. So the first thing they said was, why don't you have an iPad edition? I'd like to read on my iPad. So we got an iPad edition very quickly. It's small things. They said, the text size is too small. Why can't I change the text size? So obviously we made it that the text size is now adjusts automatically in favor of the text size of your phone. In terms of the content and like the overall premise, I think people clicked with it really quickly. So in the user research we did, they instant, like a lot of the feedback was, this is very minimal, this is very calm, this is very focused. It feels different from the doom scroll. It's a horizontal rather than a vertical thing. So, you know, you get to an end and it's completable. I think what we've evolved is at the beginning, we selected content for let's say an audience that was totally unfamiliar with the FT. So we really went for a lot of general stuff rather than more core FT offering of business and tech and so on. I think we have very slightly pivoted in the UK to having a little bit more of our sort of core FT, as we call it, inside content in there. And in the US, we've got a lot more in there because I think for US readers who, again, are less familiar with our brand, the people who are coming to us are coming to us really for our expertise in business news and finance news and so on, as well as for the other stuff. In the UK, people who are coming to us are familiar with our brand. They're people who maybe have interacted with us on social media, so they know what the FT is like, but still they want some of the, the core FT stuff as well as everything else. Actually, since you've brought up the US, uh, that'd be interesting to go into because I understand I think in March of this year, you launched the, a US-specific edition of FT. Absolutely. I'm actually speaking to you now from New York. We were at the weekend FT Weekend Festival in Washington, D.C. last weekend, so we got to meet a lot of the US readers. We uh, hired a US editor, Karen Wilson. We hired her from the New York Times, who oversees it. The idea was really we needed to understand what US readers wanted compared to readers elsewhere in the world. And of course, you won't be surprised to hear that what they want is news about the US. And I think what they're coming to us for is really that sort of global perspective. What are people in the UK writing about the US? And also, also for an unbiased perspective, I would say, I think a lot of the people that I met last weekend 
were complaining that actually there is this idea that a lot of US media is, is polarized one way or the other. I, I don't know whether that is or isn't the case, but there's certainly that perception. And so actually we can be a sort of objective outsider, as it were. But the US edition is going really well. We're seeing a lot of traffic from the US. In fact, in terms of readership, we're now about half US, half everywhere else. Oh, wow. And the important thing to say really about the US is this app, this product, we always built it with the US in mind. And we built it because we wanted to have a competitive price offering in the US where as it's a very competitive market and pricing is very keen. Mm -hmm. And actually on that topic, it's probably worth revisiting. FT Edit, if I remember correctly, launched with, you got one month for free. And then for the next few months after that, it was in the UK, it would be a 99p price. And then you would graduate up onto a £4.99 price, which would be the one that you would stick with going forwards. That's and right. Yeah. Have you found that people have stuck around after they get graduated up onto that full price? Yeah, I think one of the really encouraging things actually is we can see that the people who open the app and read an article on the first day are almost certainly going to become paid subscribers. So they will almost certainly convert. When it comes to the end of the one month free trial, 88% of them are going on to pay for FT Edit at 99p a month or 99 cents a month in the US. And when you then get six months and you graduate up to full price, which is $4.99 in the US, £4.99 in the UK, 85% of people are then graduating on to full price. Now, when we originally drew up our business plans, we thought we would have a 20% conversion rate at that point oh, wow. based on the sort of things that Apple was telling us about behavior and apps. So we know that this is a very sticky product for people who get into it. They like it. It becomes part of their habit and they stick with it. And uh, you mentioned a moment ago about wanting to be competitive in the US market. So does that mean you see spring to the top of mind at like my New York Times digital subscription is about £4 a month, which is pretty comparable to FD Edit. Is that the kind of titles that you see as your competitor in that space? It's difficult to say. We haven't really done enough audience research in the US to really understand who our competitors are. But what we have done is we've surveyed our existing readers and we've asked them what other publications they subscribe to. And actually... The other publications in the US that people subscribe to tend to be The Atlantic, mm -hmm. uh, The Economist, also The New York Times. But I think right at the top are the other magazines. And that sort of reflects that FT Edit is not a breaking news app. It's not where you go to to find out what's going on in the world. It is where you go to when you have a pocket of time in your day, you're having a cup of coffee, you're maybe you're having some lunch, you want to read something a bit longer and a bit more in depth. Um, is fulfilling that function. So it's more of a daily magazine, I would say, than a daily newspaper. Hmm. And you said last time we spoke that the FT had been reasonably confident that FT Edit wouldn't end up making its full price subscribers downgrade their subscriptions and cannibalize what had previously been a pretty healthy audience for the FT. Has that gone according to plan? It's gone better than I expected, I have to say. Uh, I remember the last time we spoke and I said, we're pretty confident this isn't going to happen. But actually, internally, we were still very concerned and we, kept, we were keeping a very close eye on things because it was certainly a risk. As it turns out, 
we have seen almost zero cannibalization. In mm. fact, we've seen the opposite. We've seen quite a lot of conversion. People are trying FT Edit and then switching upwards to a full price subscription when they get a taste for the sort of content that we're providing. Interesting. Any, can you give us a taster for quite how many people have been upgrading? I don't have the numbers to my fingertips, but what I've been surprised by is that people are upgrading not just to standard subscriptions, they're actually upgrading to premium subscriptions as well, which is remarkable if you think that a premium subscription in the UK is £55 a month digital to jump from 99p a month to £55 a month. It shows you that, that FT content is really good and worth paying for. It's working as a pretty successful shop window. Yeah, exactly. And it's and this is, as our strategy is developing, What one of the reasons we began FT Edit was so that we would have different products at different price points so that different audiences could get a taste of the FT depending on their circumstances and budget. So FT Edit is part of that, but we're also obviously now rolling out individual newsletter subscriptions like Stephen Bush's Inside Politics newsletter. It is an individual subscription in the US, Unhedged, which is Rob Armstrong's take on the markets. That's an individual subscription you can buy by itself. We're about to roll out a standalone subscription to an e-paper version of the FT. And then there's the standard premium. And then beyond premium, there are additional subscriptions at the higher end as well. Hi, I'm Anoush, and I host the New Statesman podcast. Twice a week, we get under the skin of Westminster to help understand what's going on and what's going to happen next. We interview politicians, policymakers, and people on the front line to get you the full story behind the headlines. Plus, hear from our award-winning editorial team, including political editor Andrew Marr, to get to the bottom of what on earth is happening. Listen to the New Statesman podcast. You can subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. And I know you did a lot of research before the original launch back in March last year to figure out who you were going to target. And in the event, now that you've had it running for over a year, what is the profile of an FD edit reader? They tend to be slightly younger than a standard FD reader. They tend to be professionals who are living in big cities. And they tend to be people who are already connected to the FT brand in one way or another. So maybe they've tried the FT as a student subscription and then, but haven't conversed to full price when they graduated. Maybe they have bought the FT print at the weekend, but actually just want something during the week as well. Maybe they've had the FT through work at some point, but then they've left that work and they haven't had that, but they've wanted to keep the F- that link to FT going. Or maybe they've just seen on social media, John Lerd Murdoch's amazing Twitter streams and thought, I'd like to get a bit more of that. But they're people who are basically a bit more familiar. At the beginning, we were thinking that we were going after a an audience that was maybe less familiar with the FT brand. Now we feel that actually there are a lot of people out there who have heard of us, are following us, and want to taste of us, but don't want to pay a full price. Mm-hmm. FT curious, as it were. Indeed. So another theme last year was that you were weighing deploying some personalization technology with FT Edit. Is that something you've ended up doing or is it still all human curated? 
And when we've asked people what they've wanted, personalization has always come quite close to the top of the list of expectations. Mm-hmm. And so when you say, when, when we've done sessions, obviously, where we give people the app, we see how they interact with it. And almost always, the first thing they say is, can I choose my topics? Or, or will this app be personalized to me? Will I understand what I'm doing? The reason we haven't done it yet is simply because we've put all of our resource into rolling out a bunch of concrete features that we think are going to boost growth. First of all, whereas we think that personalization is more of a retention thing. Uh, But the other thing is because we're not 100% sure that whilst people expect personalization, we don't know whether they actually want it, if that makes sense. Right. I think what they actually are trying to say is, I want something really interesting to read. And what we found is on day one, people say, will this be personalized to me? But by day three, when we ask again, people are saying, actually, I quite look. I quite like how it is. I quite like the curation. I quite like the serendipity of discovering things that I might not have chosen for myself or topics that I might. So as people get used to using the app, we're finding that they're enjoying the curation more. How has the FT been marketing FT Edit? That's something else that we've learned a lot about. We started with ads across Google, Facebook, Apple, elsewhere. I think we're now basically focusing on Apple and Google a little bit more. We've seen that's the best, most effective way. But one thing that we have done, which is absolutely new for the FT, we've never, we've certainly never done it before, is we have done several influencer campaigns. I think we've done six or seven. In fact, in the UK, there is one running today. Thomasina Myers, the founder of Oaxaca, the winner of MasterChef, chef and food writer, she has done a guest edit of today's UK edition pick the stories that she really likes and she's promoting that across her social media channels today. We in fact we actually won quite recently the award for best influencer marketing campaign performance marketing awards for all the ones that we've done. Other people who have guest edited and promoted the app, Stephen Bartlett from Dragon's Den and Diary of the CEO. Sarah Daly's also from Dragon's Den in the UK. We've done a bunch in the US as well. And that's actually just been a really interesting I mean it's interesting because Everybody talks about influence marketing and that's the sort of way forward and trying to get stuff to go viral. I think our experience is it's been an interesting collaboration where editorial has done a bit and commercial has done a bit and product has done a bit. And we've all worked together to make these things happen, which, which haven't really been our expertise. And they've been very successful for us. We've seen, we're still seeing today a lot of people signing up because they're seeing Stephen Bartlett's LinkedIn post, which he did all the way back last year, last October. Hmm. And obviously the big question is, uh, how many downloads have you managed to get in the end? To date, I think we're at about 140,000 downloads. Growth has been great, actually, and very steady all the way along. Yeah, we're pretty happy with how it's how the app is landing. Hmm. Any sense yet of whether it's paid back its development costs? I don't think so, because developers as are very expensive. Yes. But we're certainly on on track to do that. Excellent. Are you planning on launching in any other countries? I think the plan for this year is basically to focus on the US and try and really do as well as we possibly can. I think there's an obvious, we're we're already seeing, firstly, it is already available elsewhere in the world, the rest Mm. of the world edition. The question is, do we roll out localized editions for different territories? 
we can see lots of opportunities in different places for localized editions. Certainly there are lots of places in Europe, which we're thinking about Asia. We can already see that people in lots of different countries are downloading it without having a regional edition. And so I guess we would simply look at places like India and make a decision on, okay, we can see that we're already getting a lot of downloads in India. Should we try and localize the app to that market? How would we go about doing that? I don't think it's one for this year, but it's certainly something that we're looking at. And are there any other lessons that, that you've learned that you haven't been able to get in so far? Personally, it's been a new experience for me to step outside editorial and work with my colleagues in commercial marketing and in product and tech. I've learned a lot about how to build an app and what to do and what not to do. And I've learned more than I thought that I would ever know about marketing and what works and doesn't work in marketing. I think that overall, the thing that comes back still is that the reason why this app has been successful is just because the research that we did beforehand identified a really important need for the customers. And when you see them then say, actually, this does solve that problem for me, it's very gratifying. So I guess the lesson would be make sure that your product really does have a purpose, as it were, like you've done the research and you've identified something that customers really want and just stay laser focused on that. Thanks for that, Bron. Great to hear from Malcolm Moore at the FT. And hopefully get a few insights there from the masters, the paywall masters of UK publishing. What do you think then, listening to that and from your knowledge working at Press Gazette, what do you think the future is then for these paywall numbers? Do you think there's, there's a bunch of money still on the table, as they say, which publishers could get their hands on if only they can come up with the right product and the right pricing point? Yeah, and I think it's about getting it in front of the right people, isn't it? I think the real standout thing for me from that interview was that when they launched FT Edit, they were expecting maybe a 20% retention rate, and they're getting almost 9 in 10, which is wild. And I guess there's a product that's marketed at a different audience than the core FT product. The core FT reader is, as Malcolm told us last year, usually a bit older, more professional. These folks are younger, they're looking for something that's more like a magazine. And it seems to be really sticking with those people. And so maybe it's just about having the right selection at the right price point and in front of the right people, which means you need the right marketing as well. Okay. Yeah. Very encouraging. So what you're, uh, what should we say, Bron? You're in your twenties. Is that fair? <laughs> that is fair to say. So what do you subscribe to? Do you subscribe to much in the way of news? I subscribe to, I think I've got Private Eye which is useful for carrying out my job. Print? Um, okay, so you're that's interesting. Yes, indeed. I am. That is my print title that I subscribe to. I subscribe to the extremely discounted New York Times and Wall Street Journal digital offerings, which both start at a £2, I think, monthly, and then graduate up to £4. And I think that's it as far as my monthly payments. So you might maybe you're non maybe you're non typical, but that's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I, you didn't. I don't think what I subscribe to. So obviously, like me, we probably get quite a lot of things for free if we can. But yeah, I subscribe to the New York Times because it's dead cheap, isn't it? And it's um, that it is. It's quite interesting to see what they're up to. I subscribe to the Telegraph because I can't believe them to give me a free subscription. But again, <laughs> I get pretty cheap subscription to that, even though uh, they did renew me at some outrageous price, like 200 pounds for the year. But then I 
negotiate them down again to about sort of 25, 30 quid, I think, for the year. And I subscribe to Witch, which is quite expensive, actually. That's £10 a month. But it's very useful if you're buying a new washing machine or fridge. So it's a paying off. I don't know. But it's, <laughs> it's, they have information which you can't get anywhere else, which I think they invest a lot of money in getting. But we should get, we should get Witch on. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Bron. It's good to hear about what you subscribe to. And even better to hear from Malcolm Moore about paywalls, which big one of the big themes press gazette. For the listeners, you can read a lot more about paywalls. You can read that full 100K cub list of the most popular paywalled websites in the UK and the US on pressgazette.co.uk. Please like and review the podcast if you're listening to it to help other people find it. And uh, yeah, and don't forget to sign up for our newsletters as well if you do head to the Press Gazette website. You've been listening to The Future of Media Explained with me, Dominic Ponsford, Press Gazette reporter, Ron Mayer, and expertly produced, as always, by Adrian Bradley. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.